This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 225 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show, the annual Rose Parade episode. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors today are Equestrian Collections for all of your holiday shopping needs at equestriancollections.com. And Stable Comfort by Promat. Your horses will never be as comfortable as they would be on Stable Comfort. Stablecomfort.com. Plus, Charles Owen. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop I'm Glenda Geek And I'm Helena B And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show On the Horse Radio Network I love this part. <laughs> it's that's right. It's that time of the year. It's time for the annual Rose Parade episode. We've been doing this every year for a number of years now, talking about the Rose Parade out in Pasadena, California on January the 1st. And why do we talk about it, Helena? Um, I don't know. Horses, horses everywhere. 220 horses this year in the Rose Parade. Wow. Is that a record number? I don't think so. We'll find out. We're going to be talking to the lady who's organizing all of those horses here in just a minute, but let's just listen some more because I'm getting in the mood. I know, I know. It's the Pasadena City College Honor Band. They play every year. Are we going this year? We need to go. She asked in her email to us if we were coming, and I said, we haven't found anybody to pay our way. (laughs) (laughs) Hint, hint. Well, there you go. That's the Pasadena City College Honor Band. Uh, they play every year at the Rose Parade. You know, when I was looking around at the videos, there were tons of the bands that are going. It's a huge, huge deal. Bands, you know, they they send in applications to get accepted at parades from high schools and colleges and things. And you have to be chosen. And to be chosen for the Rose Bowl Parade is like the Super Bowl for bands. That is the ultimate. Everybody yep. wants to be chosen yes, it is. for that. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. It's like the prom. That's the Super right. Super Bowl for bands, the prom for girly girls, the Olympics for athletes. Yeah, it's the big guns. Right. Yeah, and I can't tell you how many uh, bands were posting videos of them practicing for the Rose Bowl Parade. They, pro- they would post their, their practice videos. So that was kind of cool, too. Well, it's a process. You know, it takes a lot of effort. I mean, you have to be really good to get to this parade. They don't take chump bands. <laughs> Just saying. Were you in a band? <laughs> I was in the marching band. Yes, the hat that I had to wear. Like, I had to wear those really tall, like, I, there's a name for them, but I forget. Hat with a with a feather on top. It was bigger than me. <laughs> <laughs> what did you play? Like, 
the flute. You know, it's so funny, too, when you say that, because Helena, for those that are new listeners, uh, is uh, height disadvantaged. Hey! And she, she's about five foot two and three quarters. And um, did I, I get that right? You get that right, yeah. yes. <laughs> so, see, I always say five foot two, and she corrects me, but I'm learning now. Uh, but you were the one, as you're watching the parade, and the, everybody's wa- marching by, and the band's going by, and uh, you know you see the tops of the hats, and then in the middle of the row, there's a hat that's two feet lower than everybody else's. That was <laughs> that Helena. Was well, that's why they put me in the front row. I mean, I played the flute, so I was in the front row anyway, but I got to play, like, first flute when I was in marching band. Now, did you have to double time to keep up with your little legs? Um... No, you can sort of do short steps anyway for the band. Yeah, it's mostly they're marching steps, so it wasn't. It, I don't remember that being a challenge. I just remember trying not to laugh. We had this drum section that was hysterical. They had they were just really funny, and they were a bunch of goof goofballs. And I had to I kept would miss my notes because I'm cracking up at them doing all <laughs> kinds of crazy things. And because sometimes they would put me on the end, you know, they would put like the taller people in the center, and then the smaller people would as as the front row would go to the outside of the band. They would put me on the end and then they would have like the guys with the drums would be alongside of us. And I just remember like trying desperately not to laugh. And it was so much fun. I, I was really bummed when I had to make a decision between marching band and and the swim team. But um, you did a lot. But a lot of people don't know is you did a lot of sports. You were a real athlete as in addition to the that. band. Yeah, I did pretty good. I did everything except for tennis and soccer. I mean, you you were really into rugby, right? Oh, God, Glenn Lacrosse. Lacrosse. Why do I get those two mixed up all the time? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, in fact, you were really we, into lacrosse, right? <laughs> <laughs> we had, we had, I, I'm so offended that you can't remember because can't remember rugby remember is that. so not lacrosse. <laughs> I know, but I could see you playing rugby too. You'd get in there and beat the crap out of me. No, I wouldn't. I don't, I don't like <laughs> violence. I mean, you know, no. Oh, they can do some body checking in lacrosse too. Not in women's lacrosse. It's a no. finesse sport. Uh-huh. It's a finesse. No, it's not about beating anybody up. No, uh-uh. What is that? What? Well, I said, what fun is that? Oh, God, you're such a boy. You really are. Such you know, I used to hate it because I had a girlfriend that was into field hockey. And, you know, field hockey could be an exciting sport if we took the refs out and their damn whistles away. Because yeah. there's just a penalty every two <laughs> seconds. Well, you know, at the lower levels, or you know, yeah, let them swack level. each other with the sticks. Let them have some fun. <laughs> then you'd be left with like two players. <laughs> <in the field. laughs> How fun would that be? Good. There are a lot of penalties in field hockey, though. Yeah, well, there's a lot in lacrosse too. But it's the idea is to not hit your opponent with a stick. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's like some kind of martial arts thing. Now, did your daughter take up uh, a lacrosse? Yes, and she plays. When I when I was young, they didn't have youth lacrosse for girls, but now they I'm they do. They do now, yeah. So she started in um, first grade, and now she's in fourth grade. So she's really picking up some skills. She's good. Let's get on with the show. We have a fun one planned planned for today. We have uh, Pamela Knapp coming up later. She is the director and committee chair for the equestrian committee for the Pasadena Tournament of Roses Parade. And then also, we have a a group that we have spoken to before, but they're the first time they're going. So we're going to hear about their excitement, and that is the Canadian Cowgirls. We had them on the show here once before. Terry Jenkins is going to join us and tell tell us all about their excitement and how they're preparing for their first time at the Tournament of Roses Parade. But first, we have our our Helmet Series Part 5. In cooperation with Charles Owen and Riders for Helmets, the Horse Radio Network presents a special 
holiday series called Giving the Gift of Safety, Purchasing a Helmet for You and Your Loved Ones at Christmas. And in this part, we talk to Roy from Charles Owen all about style. Glenn Geek here, founder of the Horse Radio Network. We are excited to bring you a special holiday helmet mini-series, giving the gift of safety, purchasing a helmet for your loved ones at Christmas. In cooperation with Charles Owen and Riders for Helmets, we have created this six-part mini-series to highlight some amazing real-life stories and some tips on buying helmets as gifts. And today we speak to Roy from Charles Owen about helmet style and safety going forward and what's coming up in the years to come. Well, Roy, welcome back to our Holiday Helmet mini-series. You know, obviously we're discussing here helmets and and how they make a terrific gift for the holidays and how protecting your loved one's head is perhaps the most important thing you can do in a gift for the holidays. But you and I have been to a couple conferences together where we where we talked about adoption and how do we get more and more people to wear helmets, whether it be English riders or Western riders or just trail riders, how do we get more and more people to do that? And one of the things that we talked about is that they have to look stylish. People have to want to wear them as an accessory to their outfit rather than something that just conflicts with their outfit. And, you know, I know that Charles Owen has, through the years, and, and a lot of the helmet companies, but especially Charles Owen, you have really made the helmets much thinner, much more stylish, less of a big bowl on the head like they were in the 1990s, and more like a fashion accessory that you're seeing Olympians wear now. Is that been a major push of yours at the company? Yeah, I mean, we totally agree with the fact that you know, we want people to to feel good. I mean, if you look at um, you know the gold, the British gold medalist for uh, for the dressage, um, she actually was still wearing a helmet two hours after the event. You know, even for the TV interviews, because you know she had it on, she'd forgotten about it. She just felt that you know it, it saved everyone looking at her helmet hair, <laughs> and uh, and and so therefore helmets really have started to become an accessory um, to to aid one's style, and that's why when you look at the catalogs nowadays, people look at it and say, "Oh my goodness, there's such a variety to choose from." You know, where on earth do you start? And, uh, and and that's really starting to, to understand a little bit. It's a bit like if you were going to buy a handbag for somebody, um, uh, for, for a lady. You know, you really need to uh, understand a little bit about what they're trying to portray. And it's the same thing with the helmets. I mean, you've got the very classical sort of hunting-type shapes. Uh, you've got the more modern suede looks. Um, you've got a lot of this uh, piping that we're now introducing where you're able to color coordinate the whole outfit through into the saddle pad, onto the jacket. Um, it, it's, it's really uh, making it so much easier for people to accept helmets. And of course, we've got a lot of riders at the top of the sport that really leading the, the way in, in trying to give us the sense that a helmet is part of our activity. It's not something that's an optional extra. 
And now also, you know, with the with the sort of 3D designing that you're doing, and a lot of that revolves around the air vents that you're putting into the helmets. And what I in the early days of having air vents in helmets, they were very noticeable and they look like big holes in the helmet. Now you're hiding them so well, it really doesn't take away the sleek design of the helmet having the air vents in there. Uh, absolutely, because of course some of the standards um, require us to protect against things like studs in the bottom of horseshoes. So we can't just make um, air vents uh, bigger and bigger to cool the head. And uh, now we're studying how air flows through the helmet and where the most effective way of cooling the head. For example, in one of the latest um, uh, helmets that we've uh, launched at the end of this year, we're uh, using a new thing called a free fit system. And what we do is we lay uh, a mesh of Cormax across the forehead, which of course is where the first beads of sweat uh, are created. And then we allow air to flow over that mesh and evaporate the uh, sweat. And of course, by doing that, we create an air conditioning effect because as we evaporate the sweat, it actually has a chilling effect on our forehead. And it's by doing stuff like that, we can really keep the classical look, the stylish look of the rider without, um, uh, without compromising their comfort and, and their fit. Now, I know, Roy, that the helmets are appearing to get slimmer all the time. They're appearing to have, you know, they're, they're not, your profile isn't as big as it used to be. Does that affect the safety at all, or are you able to design, you know, more compact materials? Oh, I mean, we are uh, doing so much computer analysis now where we're able to uh, remove, in fact, we're almost discovering that helmets that are too thick can actually um, uh, provide less protection because the uh, structure isn't able to collapse as we uh, thought it would do with the the thick uh, structures. So really when you look behind the badge, um, that's where you really start to have to understand how the technology is really being fine-tuned. We're on a microscopic level. I mean, inside we've got this tiny little bubbles of air that you can only see under a microscope. And when you're dealing with the, uh, the different geometry of the outer shape and also the fact that the skull has different strengths and forces coming into the brain from all the uh, analysis that's being done on stresses that are created, inside the brain, we actually are getting to a level where we can remove excess protection that actually offers us nothing and really build up the protection in the areas where we really do need it. Um, it's, it's, it really is allowing us to make helmets that are much more efficient. Um, and in many ways, perhaps you see it in cars. I mean, cars of yesteryear used to be huge and big, but you know, nowadays into a small, uh, small car, you can uh, pack a lot of safety. Well, Roy, now coming down the pike, uh, you know, in 2013 and beyond, what are we going to see? What, what evolution are our helmets going to take over the next couple of years? Well, it's, it's an area that we are going to be seeing helmets that are going to be delivering more safety within. There's been uh, a number of standards that have been recently uh, uh, reviewed, 
and they are looking for more protection um, within the same envelope that we have. So we can see that head protection is becoming much more front page with um, American football helmets, looking at concussions and, and how we can reduce those. Um, so there's a lot of technology that's going to be coming through. And of course, we've invested hugely in computer simulation, which is allowing us to really understand a lot more. And sometimes we look back in uh, to, to the early days and just wondered how on earth we managed to get to design helmets that, that did uh, as much protection to the head as they do. Obviously, people are always looking for more ventilation, more comfort. Um, we can probably see that helmet uh, shapes, uh, we are coming across many more different uh, shaped heads uh, as more and more helmets are being worn. I mean, maybe in days gone by, if you didn't find a helmet that fit you, um, you would just say, oh, maybe helmets are not just for me. Well, of course, nowadays, um, if you're going to do any serious riding, then most people are looking for people to wear a helmet. So that's another challenge that's, uh, that's coming along to us is, is really understanding how we can get a helmet to adapt. And for us, introducing microfit, which is um, a, a new uh, method of allowing the helmet to be adjusted to take that little pressure above the temple uh, uh, area that sometimes people have. Um, and uh, professional helmet fitters in your local re uh, retailer will be able to uh, adjust the helmet uh, to uh, suit your head if uh, you are suffering any discomfort. And of course, one of the things that we, we, you know, we want to stress here is that you just need to do it. You need to go out. Uh, if, you, if you need a new helmet uh, and somebody's going to buy it for you for the holidays, that's terrific. If you're thinking about buying somebody a helmet for the holidays and giving that gift of safety, then that's something that we encourage you to do. And as I said, as we said in, the, in past episodes here, you can do that any number of ways. We can go back to, you can go back and take a listen to part one of this discussion to take a look at how you can give it as a gift. But the important part is that you do. It's not something that should be put off. It's something that should be done now because you know, you, it's never too soon to prepare and to, to buy a very safe helmet. We recommend that you do it through Charles Owen. Uh, and Roy, we thank you so much for being here for this series with us. Uh, you know, I hope that with this series, we've helped, if it's one or two people that have gone out and bought a helmet and protected their heads for the next time they come unglued, then, then I think we've done our job here. And I would like to make a special thank you for all the, the volunteers that are, that are behind Riders for Helmets. I mean, they have really raised the game. And we are so thankful that people are starting to question the type of helmets, the fit of helmets, and, and really start to understand the silent injury of brain, of, uh, brain damage. I mean, it, either the telling stories that we hear that we just didn't hear in the past. And I think it's really helped to uh, make people very much more aware of what can happen if you don't have a well-fitted helmet on your head. 
Thank you to Riders for Helmets for everything they do for helmet awareness and safety. You can visit them at ridersforthenumber4helmets.com. And thank you to Charles Owen. You can visit them at charlesowen.co.uk. And next week, we bring you the last part in this helmet series when we have an interview with Courtney King Dye, the dressage rider that was the inspiration for Riders for Helmets a couple years ago when she took her nasty spill. And we chat with her about her life and what's happening next. You can listen to all the shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Talk to you next week, everybody. Charles Owen is one of our sponsors, and I really, really like their products. I mean, there are some companies, some manufacturers who make good stuff here and there. You know, the good stuff comes, the good stuff goes. But Charles Owen always has great stuff. I have both Grace and I have their helmets. We have their protective vests. Um, it's just they're they're a great company. I'm very, very proud that they're um, a Horse Radio Network sponsor. Well, next up, we have our first guest we're excited to bring to you. And she's taking time out of her busy schedule, only three, what, three, three and a half weeks ahead of the Rose Parade. And that's Pamela Knapp. As I said, she's director and committee chair of the Equestrian Committee of the Pasadena Tournament of Roses. Well, hi, Pam. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule, only a few weeks away from the parade to join us. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. I really uh, enjoy speaking with you every year. Well, now, tell us a little bit, before we get into the parade, a little bit about, you guys all work on committees. This is a volunteer group, uh, and, and you really do take a lot of time out of your life to help put this, this parade together. Yes, the, the Tournament of Roses is 935 active volunteers who work year-round to put on the Rose Bowl game, the Rose Parade, and all of the events that surround um, what we we fondly call our, our hometown festival, but it's really a worldwide festival, welcoming the world to Pasadena. So, yeah, we give up a lot of time, but it's a lot of fun. Does it feel like a hometown thing, like the prep work? I, I would imagine, like, all the, the work that goes into the days before. Does it feel, does it have a hometown feel before you open it up to the world? It, it does. I mean, you know, you're you're working in a community where everybody gets to know each other. And, you know, we're not a small town. We're a big town. Um, but we all are out there doing things like float decorating and working with the horses and and uh, putting you know football things together, media related events. We've got everybody comes from out of town for both of the football teams, so we have a huge um, huge onslaught of people over a, about a five day period of time, and it, they become part of our hometown, and it's just one big happy party. Lot of fun. Well, now you're the director and committee chair of the of the equestrian committee. Were you on other committees? Do you rotate, or do you get one assignment, pretty much stick with it for years? How's that work? We are assigned um, in two year increments. This is my twenty second year with the Tournament of Roses. Oh wow! Um, and I am now a director and chairman, and I chair the equestrian committee last year and this year, and then I'll move on to something else next year. Um, and I don't know what that is yet, but I will chair another committee next year, and uh, somebody else will take this job. So it makes it a lot of fun. You're not always doing the same thing, and we try really hard to give people opportunities to do things that aren't in their normal world. Um, we don't want to make an accountant do all accounting during Tournament of Roses time. We want them to have fun doing something that they wouldn't normally do. So um, we, we get a lot of... Um, 
um, knowledge, and we learn a whole lot about things we never thought we would ever know about. Well, you you can only go down from here, wouldn't you agree, Helena? Once you've done the horse thing, you're done. I mean, you might as well just <laughs> oh. quit now. That's the pinnacle of the rose parade, of course. Never mind the floats. <laughs> yeah, who cares about yeah, that? In, in my opinion, absolutely. It is my absolute all-time favorite committee. This is my second go-round. I was a vice chairman on Equestrian before, and when I was asked to chair the committee, I was so excited. I can't tell you. It is, it is truly the most fun committee. And it's mainly because of the people and the horses. The people are the most down-to-earth people you'll ever work with. Um, they're so accommodating. They're so excited to be here. Horses and horse people love a parade. And, you know, what better parade for them to be involved with? So it's no just kidding. really, it's, it's really true. We so love much a parade. Fun. We want to show off our horses. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we're used to getting up at the crack of dawn to braid and brush and gloss and detangle and... All that fun stuff. Yeah, well, we we make it even more fun for them because we have them um, we have them arrive between nine and midnight on New Year's Eve, um, so they don't get to go out and party. And then we get them up between three and four in the morning and have them start preparing their horses for the parade. Some stay up all night, but um, and then we bring them up to the parade route starting about six o'clock in the morning, and then the parade kicks off at eight. So. It's a pretty well-oiled machine. We've been doing it for a long time. This is the 124th Rose Parade um, this year. So, uh, you know, we think we have it down down pat pretty well. How do you select the equestrian units that are going to be? Now, I'm looking at this year's, you know, we've been talking about this parade every year. Now we do this annual episode on it. And, I, you know, I see some that have been in every year uh, forever. And then you have a bunch of new ones, though, this year. So how does, do they apply or do you go after them? How's that work? Well, we have an application process. It starts usually in February or March, um, and uh, there's an online application that they can get at the Tournament of Roses website. Um, the application deadline, I believe, is May 15th. And then between May and the end of June, we have a selection committee that I chair, and we work with the president of the tournament and um in this case, it's a woman this year, so her theme. Um, and we look at her theme and we look at the applicants. Uh, the parade organizers tell us approximately how many units we can select. And it, there's a lot of things that go into how we select the number of units. Um, it depends on how many float sponsors we have. It depends on how many bands we have. We try to get the whole parade on TV in a two-hour time frame. So... Um, and we know that horses don't slow down a parade. So um, we always have some flexibility with the horses, which we don't have with some of the floats and the bands. But uh, we we look, take all that into consideration, and we make our selections um, based on that, and we make our recommendations to the president, and the president agrees or doesn't agree, generally agrees. And then uh, we notify them usually in August, and between August and December is when they're raising all their money and getting themselves prepared for the big day. Wow. And, you know, this is something, too. With, 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 I've been in parades before in carriages and, and, and things, and you, you said, well, something you said caught my ear, that horses don't slow down a parade. No, it's just the opposite. As a matter of fact, some of the horses have trouble with how slow a parade actually goes and the stopping, and, you know, that sometimes, that becomes more of an issue for the horses than they would rather keep going. Oh, they would, and yeah. and we have some contingency plans in place. You know, if a, if a float is broken down or a float is stopped for any reason, um, 
we have we have them do maneuvers so that they're not just standing in place. Um, you know, every group has some different maneuvers they can do, and 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 so they'll um, you know do figure eights or whatever needs to be done to keep their ha- their horses happy. But on the other side of that, we do have from time to time horses that can't make it the whole way, and we have emergency plans in place and. Um, we have we work with the Humane Society and some local veterinarians and farriers and and uh, we have a pretty well oiled machine. So um, safety is absolutely the most important thing that we do is in, ensure that everybody who participates and everybody who is a spectator is safe. Have you ever received applications for horses to participate in the parade that are rejected? I know it's not really a happy subject, but I'm just interested in, <laughs> and, and not, not rejected yeah. as in, oh my God, you know, no way you, you like we would never, but, um, you know, it's obviously it's, it, there's a very fine set of criteria that, and, and you probably want to accept way more than you can. So they're limited, right. but what, like, do you, do you, <laughs> do you get like letters from it, things it, you it's people like? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we do. I mean, you know, I, I wish I could say it's all happy because, um, you know, you, we, we have 21 units this year. One of them is a one horse unit. So we have 21 units in the parade. Um, and some of the standards that we always accept are, you know, typically are the Marine Corps because they carry the colors. Um, we like to include the, the army for obvious reasons. You know, they do a lot. They're the only active duty, um, horse cavalry still in action in the United States. And so we, we try to include them every year. And there's a couple of others that we include every year, but we had about 50 applications this year and we accepted 21. So when you talk about rejection, it's, you know, we're not, intentionally rejecting anybody um every horse group has has its wonderful points um but it's just it's a formula that is it changes from year to year our theme this year is oh the places you'll go from the dr seuss theme and we we tried really hard to find units that met that theme we have one guy that's coming from siberia um and riding horseback and throat singing down the parade route um that's ondar and his eagles of tuba he has got a national champion wrestler that will walk along alongside him and they'll do some wrestling moves so that's kind of fun um not a traditional equestrian we have the canadian cowgirl chicks which we're thrilled about they're coming from across the border they're bringing their horses across the border which is rare um most units that come from out of the area don't typically bring their horses. They usually rent horses. So that is huge. And and the Canadian cowgirls have been talking to me since long before the application process this year um, because their fundraising needs are so great. And we're so excited that they're coming. We have the I just wanted to mention coming. real quick that we're going to have them on next, right after you. We're, At, they're coming on to talk about their excitement and, and uh, what they've been doing to prepare. That's great. They've been doing a lot, and I'm so impressed with all they've done. So we're really excited that they're coming. Um, we have a group coming from Hawaii. Obviously, they're not trucking their horses over. <laughs> so <laughs> so they're actually coming, and they're renting horses. Um, so there's a, a wide variety of, of um, types of groups. You know, and we have a lot of the standards. Really exciting that just we just found out um, in the Spirit of the West, which is a group that's been with us for a long time, um, Phil Spangenberger is the marshal, and he has just been asked to ride Silver from the upcoming um, Lone Ranger movie with Johnny Depp. 
Oh, is it going to so ride? Sil- really? So in the parade? Silver will be in the parade, yeah. Oh, yeah. So cool. Spirit of the Yay. West, look at Spirit of the West, and Silver will be there. Um, so, you know, there's, those kinds of things come together later in the year as we get closer. But, uh, you know, we we love having people from all over the place, and we love having new groups because they bring a new enthusiasm and a new invigoration to what we do. Um, well, and, and it's not just the parade. Well, I wanted to mention, too, we can't forget the one group that's been there since the beginning in uh, 1890, and that was the Valley Hunt Club, because this was really started as uh, by the Valley Hunt Club, wasn't it, as a hunt sort of thing? It was. It was was actually a way to advertise to the world what we had here in Pasadena, and it was mostly—Pasadena was really founded by a lot of East Coast and Midwestern families who came here during the cold winter months— to build a second home um, because the weather and the climate was so much more favorable to their health needs and and just their overall well-being. And so they would come and um, come out here, and they wanted to get more people out here. And so they decided, let's have a festival. Let's have a festival of roses. Um, and it ended up being the Tournament of Roses. And it didn't start out as a parade as much as it was a festival of tug of war and, and ostrich races and elephant races and um, chariots dressing up and carriages dressing their up with flowers and driving around town in their Sunday finest. And, um, and after about five or six years, the Valley Hunt Club just couldn't handle it anymore. And so the Tournament of Roses was born out of um, that organization. And we've been running this thing ever since. And um, been a lot of fun. So the Valley Hunt is in again. Um, they haven't been in every year, but they've been in for several years in a row now. And uh, they're Do right they across the street hounds from our headquarters. Do they, they don't bring they the hounds? Don't. Do they? <laughs> they don't. You know, I think they're primarily a tennis club now. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I've not, not seen too many fox and hounds over at the Valley Hunt Club. So it's pretty busy over there, but it's usually more of the tennis ball variety. But the other thing that is, is fun about bringing new groups in is a quest fest, because every year, a couple days before the parade, this year it's on the 29th, um, we have a quest fest at the Los Angeles Equestrian Center, and all of the participants in the parade come and put on a show. And they get to do what they do other than ride in a parade. They get to um, perform. They get to do their trick riding. They get to, um, in the case of Ondar, the singing horseman, is going to sing. The, the Hawaiian group, they're going to do some hula dancing. It's really a lot of fun. I know, it's so equestrian, isn't it? (laughs) Well, it is, because you know what? I'm like probably the only person in the whole world who could put hula dancing and horses together and think that would be awesome. You know, and they're they're actually riding in memory of... of, of the Cook family, and you know the Cooks are the founders of the Hawaiian Islands, and so they are riding in memory. Leala Cook is uh, the daughter of the founder of this group, the Hawaii Pa'u Riders, and so they're coming over to ride in memory of of her mother. And um, you know, it's a it's a great story, and so we wanted them to participate, but they're not bringing their horses, obviously, and so we're going to have them participate in a different way at a quest fest. But it's fun. It's a great fun entertaining day. Um, it's actually broadcast live on RFD TV, so people can watch it anywhere they are in the country um, on the 29th, and, and uh, if they want to come out, and they're here in Southern California, we want them to come out to the show because we have food, and we have 
vendors there, and we actually open up the barns after the show, and you can go back and meet the horses and mm. meet the equestrians. And um, it's really it's it's such a family fun day. You can't tell that I I like this or anything. You know, <laughs> no, it sounds like a real, <laughs> a real bummer. Yeah, hard, day for hard you. job you've got. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really sad that I'm not going to be doing it next year. Before we let you go here, I know you have another meeting to run to. Uh, big surprise there. Uh, the, there's a group <laughs> that's going to be there that I met some of their horses, and let me tell you what, it, they're an unbelievably large group, and that's the Jackson Fork Ranch Percherons. Yes. These Percherons, uh, Helena, are enormous. I mean, some of them, they had some that are approaching 19 hands. They're just huge. And what a what a neat group to watch. Uh, they're going to be a fun new entry into the parade this year. Mm. They are. You, you know, Budweiser um, and the Clydesdales stopped participating two or three years ago. And uh, when the Clydesdales disappeared from the parade, I can't tell you how the fans were so disappointed. Oh. And so we looked long and hard for another group that we thought could... Um, match or be even better than those Clydesdales, and this is what we've come up with. So Jackson Fork and the Percherons are going to be tremendous and addition I, to the parade. If I remember right, most of his Percherons are black, so they make a really, really snazzy team. Um, they do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they do. They're just, they're so stunning and striking. And, and huge. Uh, <laughs> and huge. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a tall person. I'm only five foot one. So I'm really excited to be next to one of these horses. Well, and then you have another breed that we've talked about a lot on this show, and it's one of Helena's ice favorites, if we don't have to take care of them and do the brushing. And that is, uh, you have the, you know who I'm going to talk about too, don't you? Yeah. Yes. It's the Gypsy Cobb group. Uh, uh, where are they from? Um, actually, the Gypsy Cobb group came to us from Southern California. There is a little town called Acton, um, but the owner actually lives in, in England, and so um, the, the co-owners. So the owner is in England and here, and it's a breeding program that, that started a long time ago, and it's the SD Farm Gypsy Cobb, and um, their horses are incredible, but you're right. It's like having that dog in your house that you have to brush yes. all the time. <laughs> now, what multiply it times 150, and and you got to brush that all the time. I mean, it's incredible. Those horses have incredible coats, and are just beautiful. So I'm really excited to see them. Well, Pam, we know you have to go. Thank you so much, Pamela Knapp, Director and Committee Chair of the Equestrian Committee for the Rose Parade. Good luck. We'll be watching. We'll be watching. Thank you. It Thanks, was great Pamela. talking to you. Thanks. All right. Take bye. care. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Hey folks, Coach Jen here from the Horse Tip Daily Show. All of us as horsemen mull over our horse's nutrition and stress out over their stress level and fret about their fitness. But when is the last time you puzzled over your horse's lounging and sleeping comfort? Research has shown us over and over that quantity as well as quality of rest and sleep are crucial for top athletic performance as well as overall well-being. Enter Stable Comfort by Promat. Stable Comfort mimics the characteristics of natural pasture, providing a safe, clean, and comfortable surface for your horse. Its wall-to-wall waterproof design gives your horse confidence to walk, lie down, and get back up without fear of slipping. And as a bonus, less bedding is required and results in fewer labor hours to clean stalls. Head on over to StableComfort.com and find out why champions like Nick Skelton, Mary King, and Chris Cox 
use Stable Comfort by Promat Systems for their equine athletes. Hi, Glenn, here with the Horse Radio Network, and I'm here with Debbie from Equestrian Collections with the Equestrian Collections Product of the Week. Today I'm going to be featuring a bridle called the Tecna Synthetic Dressage Bridle with Removable Flash. But what I really want to feature is the entire Tecna line. These are synthetic bridles, but I'm telling you what, you can't even tell them from leather until it comes time to clean them. My uh, trainer, I had a synthetic bridle on my horse, and he was riding it, and he kept saying, are you sure this isn't leather? It's that (laughs) nice. They're soft, pliable, easy to work with, and easy to clean, and only $60 for for a bridle that you can use virtually all the time. I probably wouldn't use it in the show ring, but any other time, it's absolutely the bridle to use. I use it all the time. I put it on a tack hook, and I hose it down when I'm done, and it's ready to go for the next time. And it comes in both a snaffle bridle, a dressage bridle, and several other items. I got the, the uh, flash attachment with the little, you know, thing that you can put a flash on a snaffle bridle. And if you need a flash for the day, you can, voila, you have that bridle too. I highly recommend this entire line. They also have saddles, which is, are, are as well synthetic. Love the Techno line. Give it a shot. So you can find all of the Techna products at equestriancollections.com. Just search for Techna, T-E-K-N-A, at equestriancollections.com. One of these years, Helena, we're going to get out there and spend time with all the roses and the pretty flowers in Pasadena and spend New Year's together. We will. I'm just amazed that a whole year has gone by since we promised ourselves we would do that this year. (laughs) That's true. That is true. We're like, oh, next year we'll have plenty of time to do it. We'll go. We're totally going to be out there, Pasadena. And here we are just a couple of weeks away. I mean, it's not like we don't have an invitation. We have no excuse. I mean. No, we really don't. We know every group that's in the parade pretty much. And, you know, they would love us to come out and and be there. We're just going to have to take the time and effort to do it, I guess. Do we know anybody in Pasadena that we could stay with? Yes, actually, we do. It's right down the street from Norco. And we know a bunch of people in Norco. Well, then why don't we just go? I know, I know. It's just, you know, again, it's the time and, you know, the holidays and all that stuff. So, all right, well, we're just going to have to do it. We're just going to have to do it one of these days. One of these days, like he's bailing out already. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right after this, uh, these commercials, we are coming back here with somebody who is going this year. And her name is Terry Jenkins. She is the captain of the Canadian Cowgirls. And she's also marshal of the unit. I I have to ask her because I think you have to be a marshal if you're in a parade, if you're the head of it, not just a captain. So she probably got promoted. But uh, we're going to talk to them about their first time in the road. Bowl Parade. Well, hi, Terry, and welcome back to the show. Howdy, Glenn. Howdy, Helena. It's great to be a Canadian cowgirl coming to the Tournament of Roses Parade. I'll tell you what, when did you guys, you know, I don't, we talked to you uh, earlier this year. We had seen you at a show uh, doing your performance, and we said, we got to get them on. When did, um, when did you decide that you wanted to do this? Well, this has been on our bucket list since we started our group 10 years ago and uh, fortunately we uh, have got the credentials behind us and our community behind us so that we can afford for one 
to travel the 4,000 kilometers to get there. Ooh. And <laughs> secondly, the, um, the opportunity to be invited to the Tournament of Roses Parade. So we're very, very honored and very excited about it. Obviously, you're from Eastern Canada. We're from, uh, we're an hour from Detroit, Michigan. Mm, oh. That is a long drive. North, yep. And Pam yeah. said you're North bringing your horses, border. too. Pardon me? Pam wow. said you're bringing your horses that whole way? Absolutely. We're bringing 18 horses Oof. and 23 crew. Holy and uh, that will be our riders and our ground crew. That's and awesome. That's a good crew to horse ratio. I like that. <laughs> that individualized awesome. attention. Although when you're bringing that many horses that far, they need individualized attention. That's right. We're going to have a, a four-day journey. We, we allowed for five, but we'll have a four-day journey, and we leave on the 19th of December. So we'll be trekking south to uh, California on the 19th, and hopefully the weather will hold for us. We don't have any snow up here in Canada just yet, but uh, and we hope that it follows the nice sunny shine will follow us all the way to California. You guys put on a terrific show. As I said, we got to see you uh, in a show, and that's how we we got in touch with you. Uh, what you. are you allowed to do in the parade and not allowed to do in parade? You're a drill team, obviously, so it's you know it you're limited space and and you have to keep moving. So what can you do? Well, the wonderful part about the Tournament of Roses Parade is that they recognize that they have to keep the parade moving for the television audience because of the um, because of the time frame of course with the television networks so what they have done is put on a, a show called equest fest so that gives all the equestrian units an opportunity to show what they do when they're not parading so for us what we'll have is um, my golden palomino will be leading the group and then we have seven hippodrome riders. And a hippodrome rider is a person that stands on horseback and uh, salutes the crowd. And then our other riders will be in formation. Behind for five them. miles down the parade, they're going to be standing? For five miles. Two hours? They've been practicing. <laughs> they've been practicing. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> Alina. Really... You want to get in shape? That'll do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no sure. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> So we've been doing a lot of practicing in parade formation. We have uh, a, set, a set amount of space that they allow us, and uh, we've been down to a logistics meeting, so we've got to see where all our horses are going to be stabled and where are at the LA Equestrian Center, and then, of course, uh, the parade route and the hospitality that was uh, offered us by the tournament committee was incredible. So we're very, very feel very, very welcome, and now we kind of have an idea where everything's going to be. Very cool. That is very cool. Now, what, yeah. what, um, how have you, how are you paying for this? Are you fundraising? Are you? Oh, my goodness. You would not believe our fundraising efforts. Um, first of all, we had this garage sale. Now, <laughs> you take 23 women, and, all, and they all empty their closets, and we had this garage sale in the indoor arena here at TJ Stables in, in Canada. We had over 1,000 people on our yard sale. We made $12,000. What? And this yard sale. And wow. I mean, people came running. What were you selling? <laughs> yeah, that's my question. Everything. Everything from toilet bowl covers to 
saddles and everything in between. And we just had a ball. And uh, birdhouses, cookie jars. Oh, my God, we had 700 cookie jars somebody donated to us to sell. (laughs) We had so much stuff. And people were running from a quarter mile away, running up the road. Like, it was like you see in the movies. It was <laughs> it was like Black Friday all over again. But uh, we just had a wonderful time uh, at the yard sale and made people aware. Uh, and our community has been behind us. We are selling roses. And for $10, someone can purchase a rose in honor or memory of someone. And that rose will be placed on our horses in the parade. So we've done very well with that. Uh, of course, we do a lot of shows, so we did promotion at every show. And uh, this year we were at a, a major show here in Canada called the Royal Winter Fair. Oh, yeah, and, that's uh, the show in Canada. That is the yeah. elite uh, show here in Canada. And so we just basically put our hats out and... We raised $7,000 just with nickels and dimes and quarters, people dropping their change, their loose change into our hats. <laughs> so they've really, you know, everyone is so excited to have the uh, representation from Canada in the parade. And, you know, we're just backyard girls and uh, ordinary girls and you, with ordinary horses. And then when you put us all together, we do extraordinary things and Included in those things over the years has been the Kentucky Derby Parade. We've we won Best Mounted Entry in that parade for two years in a row. And uh, we performed for Prince Charles and the Duchess Camilla. We were on, uh, we won the Calgary Stampede Parade and uh, the Indy 500 Parade. So we've been throughout um, North America carrying the Canadian flag and building our credentials to get the invitation to come to the Tournament of Roses Parade. And this is the first time, too, at the Tournament of Roses Parade that we're going to have, they've been in a number of years, the All-American Cowgirl Chicks, along with the Canadian Cowgirls. That's right. And at Equest Fest, I think uh, what we're going to try and do is there's several drill teams in the parade. We're going to try and do a grand entry that will include all four drill teams. So it should be something very spectacular. Yes, very excited about that. And getting to work with Trish Lynn and her group of All-American Cowgirl Chicks because we're kind of the Canadian version. Um, We're a little bit... uh, you actually, I think, red have more, white. you have more mem- you have more people in the in the team, I think, than uh, yeah, than, our group's a little does. larger, but yeah. we all this is our hobby where uh, we all have full time jobs in school, so this is our hobby. So everyone's leaving their family at the holiday season and coming to California and going to have a great time. And of course, uh, Pam was just telling us that uh, you, you know, and we knew this from doing this show for so long that you guys are going to be getting there the night before. You line up on the street and you wait all night until uh, three or four in the morning when they start rousting you into line. So it's it's a it's a forty eight hour endeavor. This is going to be uh, one of the most memorable occasions be- for us because of the organization of this. This is one of the best organized parades we've ever been to and by staying overnight and but just leave just just adds to the camaraderie and everybody's going to be you know like geez 
it's three o'clock in the morning and we're up here getting our horses ready, but at least there's not going to be snow on the ground. Cause <laughs> That's true. And, and, um, and we hope no we're rain. We're really excited we no about rain. that. <clears throat> Very much excited about it. And uh, we're bringing the sunshine. We're not going to have rain down there. We've already ordered the good weather. Or <laughs> sunshine. <laughs> And apparently no ale. You're not allowed to drink on the road no, waiting. No, that's just fine because <laughs> Canadian cowgirls, a lot of our riders are, uh, um, well, that's their focus is the horses. So that's not going to uh, bother us because we have a lot of fun wherever we go. We don't need any of that. Uh, yeah, you guys do. <laughs> no, they're, they're, they, they live on the edge enough. They're cowgirls. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> they don't need to add to the mix. The degree of difficulty of riding in the Rose Parade is enough, Glenn. <laughs> Well, We've had a lot of community support to get there, and we had to raise ninety-two thousand dollars. Wow! And wow. we're about well, we still have about twelve hundred bucks left to go. So, you know, we um, go to our website canadiancowgirls.com, and there's a donate button if you want to help us. But after the uh, Royal Winter Fair, we got a call from a gentleman in Texas, and he had seen it live stream, and he sent. Um, he said, "We're I'm your neighbor. We live in Texas, and we really enjoyed your show at the Royal Winter Fair. And I'm a Vietnam vet, and the uh, tribute you did to the veterans and their families, he said, I'd like to contribute $100 for you to come huh. to, the, to the Tournament of Roses parade. So, you know, we have just been so gr- uh, grateful for all the generosity of the community to get us there and they really recognize that we're just ordinary folk trying to do extraordinary things. Well, that's fabulous. And well, we wish you guys, you guys are going to have a blast. I I know from meeting you before that, that you, you're all going to have a a whole lot of fun with this. You've got uh, uh, five miles to show off in front of (laughs) your biggest audience ever. That's awesome. A gracious audience. The American people are so, so kind. Whenever we go to the U.S., we get standing ovations wherever we go, and we're, we love to perform in the U.S., and we love the American audience. So we're neighbors, as this gentleman from Texas said, and uh, yeah, we want to be part of, part of uh, one of the most spectacular parades in the world, and uh, that would be right there at Pasadena on New Year's Day. Well, we're going to look forward to watching on TV and seeing all those maple leaves go down the street. Oh, wonderful. Well, we've got lots of them. Thank you so much, and happy trails to you. Thank you, Terry. Thanks. Well, it sounds like they're very excited to go out there and march down. They have to get up so early. I mean, they had spend all night on the street, pretty much. Uh, getting ready for this. It's, it is it is a huge endeavor because they have to get all those groups and floats and those huge floats together. So it's it's a very big deal to to get this all together and get out there and, and actually do the parade. They must be exhausted by the time they're done with the parade. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're, but you're, we're like, we're talking to thousands of horse people who get up every that's weekend true. That's true. At, yeah, the, at the crack of dawn. Yeah, that's and, true. And then sit around, especially those hunter shows where you just sit around That's all day That's true. in the cold, in like November <laughs> when it's unseasonably cold and yep. all the walk trotters went at nine and you're waiting for the two sixers to go at four. That's true. <laughs> That's and you true. can't possibly have one more cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All That's right, where five-hour energy drinks come in. <laughs> Anybody want to know what I did last weekend? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, the Rose Parade in Pasadena is... um. It's looking 
be good right now. <laughs> and you know what the other th- good thing about it is when you watch it on TV and watch it on HGTV is there's no commercials and they show you the parade. I hate watching the Macy's Parade anymore where all they show is the, is the, the uh, Broadway shows and them singing and dancing and they don't show you any of the parade. And it's like, well, this one, they show you the entire parade, and they talk about the flowers and the, and the horse units and everything. And it, it, what, I would say the one place they're a little lacking in their coverage is their knowledge of the horse units. So I, I, I'm going to write to them and say, next year you have to bring Helena and I out to talk about the horse units. Because obviously they, don't, they don't, just don't have it down. No. We, we would do it much better. Well, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. No well, question. Yeah. Yeah. We could say, look at those pretty Arabs. We could say, look at those pretty... No. <clears throat> we could say, look at those pretty Arabs go. <laughs> That's what makes us special. That's right. Well, let's go into our Tack and Habit segment right now, brought to you by Fleeceworks. Fleeceworks manufactures pure Australian merino sheepskin and merino wool saddle pads and accessories. Their pads produce a vital thermal balancing layer to pull excess moisture and heat away from the horse's back allowing muscles to work at maximum capacity without overheating. Fleeceworks Australian Merino Wool is breathable and hydrophilic, able to hold and store 35% of its own weight in liquid. A longtime staple of the medical field, Australian Merino fibers have no equal when it comes to delivering a temperature-controlled, pressure-absorbing layer. The Fleeceworks philosophy, minimum bulk, maximum performance and they have a variety of anatomically correct pads incorporating technologies and designs that address the individual needs of every horse and rider. Ask for Fleeceworks saddle pads and accessories by name at your local tack and feed store, or visit them online at fleeceworks.com. And for today's Tack and Habits segment, um, I'm going to talk about, well, Glenn and I are both going to talk about because we have experience with these things. It's, it's a new horse treat. Well, it's not new. It's new to us, but it's our new favorite horse treat. And um, I'm going to tell you why they're our favorites. First of all, they're called stud muffins. And they are handmade. They're 100% handmade. And they have really cool stuff. And I'm like um, flaxseed, cane molasses, oats, corn, barley, all that really good stuff. And... They're they're sort of mushy, would you say, Glenn? They're they're not really they're not hard. They're not cookie like, but they're also not like spongy mushy. Like some horse treats can be really spongy. They're firm. Is, they're firm, but like they're any just, stud should be. But, <laughs> oh my god! Serenity now. Sorry. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> Glenn! I need to go away. I need to go. Away. <laughs> I'm in my office, like in my little <laughs> office. By myself, my face is bright red. <laughs> couldn't resist. Sorry. You you couldn't. Oh, Do I have to beat myself there? <laughs> you're going to get coal in your stocking for Christmas. This, this is a PG-rated show. Now it's PG-13. <laughs> Stud muffins, horse treats. I mean, they had to know that there was going to be some conversation around <laughs> the did. name. I talked product. to her. She knew. <laughs> All right. So anyway, they're really good. So they're full of good stuff. They're homemade, which is my one of my favorite things. And they... They come in all different kinds of sizes. So if you want like just a few treats, you can get the smaller size. But if you have like, you know, a barn full of 50 horses or something, then you get the big 60-ounce bucket. 
blah, blah, blah. But they are, they're firm, but you can break them up into pieces. So I would say they're you probably... You want to. They're a pretty good size little cake there. Yeah. They are. Yeah. That's a good word for them, cakes. But um, but you can still, they're, they're soft enough where you can hide tablets in them. Right? Nice. Yep. yep. Eating like little, little of this, a little of that. Um, and you can break them up. Like I break them up into quarter sizes. So, and I use them for training. Well, and the, the other neat thing about these is well, the thing that, that is absolutely essential about these is we have not found a horse, not a horse. You know how some horses will eat carrots, some will eat apples, some will eat uh, some treats and not other treats. We haven't found a horse that won't eat these things. I mean, this no. is Jamie, my co host on the morning show, calls them crack for horses. Pony crack, yeah. Yeah, because they just love these things. They really, really do. Uh, it's good stuff. Um, it, you have to almost be careful. Have you found that? Beaker gets a little lippy with, when you get stud muffins within 10 feet of him. Since I introduced stud muffins to my horses, Brody will come, he'll beeline to you when you go into the barnyard and begin to pocket surf. He never, he didn't have that habit. And he had, I had given him other treats. He never had that until I introduced him to stud muffins. Yeah, they love, 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 and he love will, these things. he will like, he'll look under my sleeve. Like, he doesn't just go for the pockets. He's like, what's under your sleeve? Is it in the hood? I want to <laughs> check your socks. I know you have them in here somewhere. It's crazy. They really do love them. This is the Godiva chocolate of horse treats. Yes, that's a good analogy. It, it really Godiva. is. I mean, it's the mm, Godiva chocolate, chocolate of horse <laughs> I know, now I'm making you hungry. Mm, but uh, it really does, they really are neat. You know what's cool this year? And this is the reason it was our tack and habit pick, is that uh, they have a couple of Christmas things out this year. And you could find them at your local tack shop. I saw them at our tack shop when we were there over the weekend. Is they have the candy canes that you've seen before full of stud muffins. But this year, new, they have this musical tack trunk. Did you get one of those? No. This is cool. It's a box. It looks like a little box, and it's called the Music Tack Trunk. And uh, when you open it, it's great to give his gifts. When you open it up, they have written their own version of the 12 Days of Christmas uh, about stud muffins. And it plays when you open the lid. It's Aww. really make a terrific gift. They're nineteen ninety five. You can find them at any tack shop right now or online. Just look for Stud Muffins Musical Tack Trunk. And and they're full of stud muffins, but when you open it up, it plays the music. And and you know what? That's just kind of cool for a gift. Yeah. And as I said, I like that. They idea. wrote the song, and the the lady who started Stud Muffins, her sister recorded it, so it's her sister singing. Huh. It's pretty neat. Yeah, I love these things. I'm a, you know, a horse loves these things. We haven't found a horse yet. Jamie from the morning show uh, does work with the prison out there because the prison is the one that gets the horses that have been repossessed in the county and the prisoners yeah. take care of them. Yeah. And she brought uh, stud muffins, actually sent her a case of these to bring out to the prison. And she said 25 horses there. She didn't find one that didn't like them. Even the picky ones would eat them. So, the, so they were all happy. They're all happy to see her come now. <laughs> pocket surfing happy horses okay. so I, you know i i'm definitely gonna recommend stud muffins again they have this is one of my favorite things is that just they have such a variety of sizes and containers i know it's like some people are like oh what's the big deal but really like especially if you have limited space in your barn or you have a shelf of a particular size you know and the um they also have plastic bags that come in resealable like you can get a plastic pouch full of them that are resealable. 
Now, yes, I do like the resealable part. And we actually, Jennifer actually keeps hers in the refrigerator. I don't know if you, you, you would have to. Uh, but down here it's so warm that, you know, we've kept yeah. them in the refrigerator. They do have a contest, by the way, going right now. And what it is, the grand prize, get this, Helena, is going to be a year's supply, four 90-ounce bags. They're going to be sent in three increments over the year. That's a total of 12 90-ounce bags of stud muffin. That's a lot. It's $450 value. Wow. And they're going to have two runners-up that are going to get $150 worth of stud muffins each. And what they're going to be doing is they're going to be judging the best pick stories or videos of horses loving stud muffins so much that they deserve to be the ultimate stud muffin. So if you think your horse is the ultimate stud muffin and he does, you know, maybe you get him to do tricks with stud muffins or he'll come roaring over or whatever thing that's around a stud muffin. If you send a video or a story or pictures in uh, to the stud muffin people, you could be entered to win this contest where you're going to get a whole lot of stud muffins for over a year period of time. Your horses will love you for it. So you can find them on Facebook. Just look up stud muffins on Facebook. And after you get through all the pictures of guys with no clothes you'll find a horse treat. <laughs> it's true i know be careful <laughs> i just did that i'm like glad i need my notes you know for talking about today's tech and hire product so i couldn't find them because of course i'm always a hot mess on wednesdays which was when we record for fridays okay so um <laughs> i type in stud muffins what an idiot who types in stud muffins and thinks that she's going to get horse treats as a result <laughs> i was like glenn's like did you find it i'm like what <laughs> huh Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She was distracted. Well, that's it. You can find them at uh, any tax shop. Pretty much has them or online. Uh, But thank you, Helena, for bringing that up. Uh, Something we take for granted that we use here every day at the farm. Wow. Well, you know, this has been fun. I can't wait. You know, every year, Jennifer and I, we tape the parade, and then we watch it a little later in the day, and and then then watch a little football and fall asleep. But we always (laughs) watch the parade first. I always watch it live. You watch it later in the day? Yeah, we watch it a little bit delayed, I think, because we, well, you know, we won't have to this year. We always had horses we had to take care of, or Jennifer wanted to go riding, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, It starts at first thing in the morning, I believe. Um, Yeah, but that's in California. First thing in the morning for them uh, is not first thing in the morning for us. It's like 10 o'clock, right? 9, 10 o'clock. I was thinking that. Because she said, well, she said they start lining the horses up on the parade route at at like 6 a.m. At 3 in the morning. And she said here. No, at 6 a.m. It actually starts at 8 a.m. At 8 a.m. our time? Yeah. So it's early. And then the, um, the, uh, she wanted me to remind everybody that the, on RFD TV, Equifest Live is on December the 29th from 12 to 2 Pacific uh, time. That's the big event right before the parade, Correct. the night before. So okay. that's like 3 to three to 5 Eastern time, uh, Equifest uh, Live on RFD TV. So that's okay. on the 29th. Okay. So that's when that's happening. But, uh, but we've run out of time for today. Thank you so much, Helena. And uh, you enjoy your warm weather up there. I will. It's like spring over here. We're happy. Grass is green. Horses are happy. <sighs> but still, it's no Ocala. But can I put a plug in real quick before we go for our friend Templeton Thompson? Of course, with my favorite holiday song. Well, your favorite holiday song now has a video. Go to Stable yeah. Scoops Facebook page, and you'll see the video that Templeton put to your favorite holiday song. Uh, so you'll find that at Stable Scoop. And what's your favorite holiday song for everybody? 
Happy Yee Holidays. She has a terrific video. They just came out with it uh, this morning. So you'll find it at our Facebook page. Just look for Stable Scoop and you'll see her video. You're going to love it. It's- uh, I watched it already. Did you? Put you in the oh, mood, yeah. doesn't it? Oh, my God. We've been listening to it since like, I don't know, July. <laughs> we don't we listen to that's one song that we listen to all year round. But she has a couple of other yes. holiday songs as well. And so we just the minute December comes around, we play that stuff like nonstop. So. Well, we're going to play one of those holiday songs for you from Templeton Thompson. You can buy all of her music at TempletonThompson.com. We'll talk to you again next week. Let's hear a little holiday music from Tempe. Have yourself a merry Let your heart be light From now on Our troubles will be out of sight Have yourself a merry little Christmas If the fates are